Friends, as we begin uh, this morning, just to say that this is the first time that Kira will be leading worship today, and uh, it's an opportunity for us to grow young people in the talents that they've been blessed with as they uh, learn to, uh, to take the reins in, uh, in bringing our worship or helping us to worship God. So thank you, Kira, for being willing to lead worship and... Uh, know that you are amongst family and friends who love you dearly, and, uh, and God bless you as you lead us this morning. We're going to sing Praise is Rising. Your presence, all our fears are washed away. 
special word of welcome to you if you are joining us today for the first time. It's lovely to have you with us. If you're visiting family and friends, welcome. It's nice that you could be part of our family here in Bundaberg Uniting, and we trust that you feel part of the family as we worship together. A special word of welcome to those who are watching on the live stream each Sunday now. The service will be live streamed on our Facebook and YouTube channels, uh, also on our podcasts. And uh, we welcome the extended Bundaberg Uniting family, which reaches all over the world, from America to the UK to Ireland uh, to India and uh, to South Africa to New Zealand and to Australia. Those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head. I know there's probably some others as well. But it's marvelous how uh, the wonders of technology bring us in a sense of connectedness. We've looked at a Christmas together. Well, we're having a Christmas together with so many people around the world. And if you are joining with us on that live stream, please drop us a comment. Let us know where you're watching from. Uh, send us a greeting. We will reply to that comment. If not immediately, then uh, in the week. And uh, we have people sitting right here in the service with their phones out who are doing that. So if you see somebody with their phone, they're not playing a game. They are actually commenting on the sermon. And if you would like to log on to the sermon from inside the church as well, you're welcome to do so. Uh, it may help with making comments and things like that. You are more than welcome. As we continue in our worship, I'm going to hand over to Kira. No, we need the microphone. There? There we go. As we continue in our worship, we're going to sing Open the Eyes of My Heart, a song that invites us to see our Lord in all His glory as we worship Him.
Almighty God, it is amazing grace that we celebrate today in our worship, that as we come before you in this time just following the celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we rejoice in a love that is never-ending, a love which looked down upon those whom you created and gave everything to be in relationship with them. You come, Lord Jesus, to reveal the Father to us. You come to show us who God is, that we might know beyond any shadow of a doubt <clears throat> that you're a God of love and kindness and compassion, a God who cares, a God who nurtures, a God who is concerned, a God who loves. You come, Lord Jesus, to reveal to us how to live. You show us the, the fruits of the Spirit enacted in practical ways. We see in your life a life that resisted temptation, a life that refuses the, the candy-coatedness of sin, and instead seeks the wonder of virtue and honesty, of holiness and righteousness. We celebrate, Lord Jesus Christ, that we, we worship a God who is resurrected from the dead. You came to this world knowing what would happen, knowing that the cross would be before you. You came anyway. You came into this world knowing that, that humanity would do its worst. You came anyway. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit who breaks the power of death and sin and invites us to live lives that are holy, lives that reflect the glory of the Father. We ask, Lord, for your forgiveness for those moments where our lives have not reflected that glory. For times, Lord, when we have left you out of our lives and decided that our own glory was more important than yours. There have been times, Lord, when we have said, thought, and done things which we are not proud of. But we do rejoice in the grace offered to us on the cross and the forgiveness that's given 2,000 years ago. Knowing, Lord God, that as we receive that grace, so you welcome us with open arms, that there's no barrier of guilt, no worry, no shame that can separate us from you. For you give us the perfect example of forgiveness where our sins are remembered no more. And so, Lord God, may you be glorified this morning in our worship. May you be glorified in every aspect of the service, in each thing we do, from readings and prayers to the message to the, the children's story to the offering to every part. May your name be honored. May the glory of Jesus Christ shine forth from this place, from each of our lives and into the places that we go. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, as together we pray the Lord's Prayer, and the words are on the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And the peace of the Lord be with you, friends.
Thank you. Won't you just look around you, see people sitting nearby, pass God's peace onto them. Make sure somebody sees you and you get a smile out of them as you pass the peace to them. Carlton, we need sound. Sorry. Ah. Well, I really enjoyed this next worship song as we get a little bit more jazzy. Unfortunately, we can't stand up and dance, but we can dance in our heads and just be happy as we sing, Jesus is the rock and he rolls my blues away. invite the children up, but I hopefully the children online and in the surface can still be able to see me. 
So I want to talk to you guys about how God is always with us. I'm sure over this confusing time, you've all heard people saying that you're not alone. And this is confusing because it can still feel very alone. And maybe you're even questioning if God is even still there in this chaos. So I thought I would show you something about how our world works and how God works in a similar way. Um. Gonna he's got the whole world in his hands. <laughs> um, hopefully most of the adults know how day and night works, but if not, I'll give you a refresher. Um, this torch is going to represent the sun, and as you can see, when the sun shines on the earth in space, as, as the earth turns around its axis, you can see that the sun shines on certain parts of the earth but some parts of the earth don't get the sun. The sun is always constant as the earth turns around. So, you'll so when the other side of, when there is no sun on the other side, that is when it's night and we can't see the sun anymore. But that doesn't mean that the sun isn't there. The sun's still shining, just some parts of the world can't see it. That's why when you phone someone in America now, they'll probably be at night time. I don't know the exact ratio, but. <laughs> so God is like the sun he's always constant and he's always shining and he's always there with us and we're the earth sometimes in the night when we can't see him and everything's dark and other times when we can see him quite clearly and everything's going really well but just because we might not be able to see God working doesn't mean that he's not there and that he's not shining and working he's still there and on the other side of the world He's working, and you will see him soon enough as we turn, as the sun rises. The dark will always be overcome. The sun will always rise again. The night will always end. So I want you to remember every time that the sun sets and the night falls, that the sun is still there shining, just as God is always there with you, even if you can't see it right now. Let, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for always being there for us. In difficult times, it is sometimes hard to feel like you're with us. There are definite moments in life where we can be very, feel very alone. But you, Lord, are always with us, and you promise us that you'll never leave us or forsake us. And we just want to thank you for being such an amazing Heavenly Father. Please let all those who feel alone right now really know that you're with them. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kira. Friends, the notices uh, for the rest of summer services have actually been emailed out to you. If you would still like a copy, if you haven't got a copy, let us know, and we can get that to you. Uh, the main notice is just to mention, obviously, that for the duration of January up to the 24th, uh, services are happening at half past eight only on a Sunday morning. Obviously, also, they will be live streamed, so they can be watched at any time, uh, both live and uh, later on as well as listen to on the podcast as well. I will be uh, taking just a short break, uh, a short uh, we uh, week's leave. Um, the dates actually escaped me, but they are in the notices for you to have a look at. And uh, during that time, Ray is available for any pastoral needs um, should uh, they arise. He will also be taking the service next Sunday morning.
and uh, we're very grateful to, to have the ministry of Ray uh, and, uh, and Helen here in the church. Part of our worship is expressing our love for God and the gifts that we give Him. Our thanks to those who have faithfully brought offerings into the office each week. There is an offering box there right at the door. You're able to drop uh, an offering in there either on the way in or the way out of church. And, uh, and many have taken the opportunity to do online giving. If you'd like to be part of the online giving system, it really is a very helpful way to give. The details, the bank details are both on the website and in our notices, um, or you can contact the office and we'll, we'll supply them to you. Uh, shall we bring those gifts to God in prayer? Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to bless you with these gifts and offerings, however they may have been given. We ask that you would take them and receive them together with the greater gift of ourselves, and use both, Lord, to build your kingdom. May these gifts be part of our worship. May it be a, a representation, Lord God, that everything we have and all that we are is for your glory. We thank you that you are the giver of every good and perfect gift, that you provide for our needs, and for this we are eternally grateful. Receive these gifts, we pray, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Today we are actually concluding the series, A Christmas Together. And uh, we're looking at lectionary readings, but they end off, the series is going to be ending off with A Christmas Together with the Father. Christmas Together with the Father. The readings are from Isaiah chapter 61 through to uh, verse 10 through to 62 verse 3, Galatians 4 4 to 7, and Luke 2, verses 22 to 40. Isaiah 61. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till a vindication shines like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your vindication and all, your, and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. And then reading from Paul's letter to the Galatians. Chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are sons and daughters, God sent the, the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are His child, God has also made you an heir. 
And then from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 40. This is the, the next chapter or the next part of the, the birth story of Christ as uh, we pick up from when he's eight days old. When the time came for the purification rites performed, required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the laws required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations." a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, The child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to the town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're going to sing together the hymn, Good Christians All Rejoice with Heart and Soul and Voice. Christians all rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Listen well to what we say. Jesus Christ is born today. Oxen as before him bow, and he is in the manger now. Christ is born Christians all rejoice 
Thank you to the worship team. Let us pray. <clears throat> we ask now, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit may speak to us in words we understand, that you may minister through what is said, and that you would take what is spoken and make it relevant in each of our lives, that we would each hear exactly what you have brought us here to hear, that we would take away the challenge that you want to leave us with, the comfort that you want to give us, the strength that you know we need to hear, the challenge that is before us. And so, God, we commit this, these next few minutes into your hands and our spirits to you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Christmas is past. And I don't know about you, but I had a look at our tree this morning as I walked out of the door, and uh, there was something just a little bit sad about it. I don't know what it is. Something changes on the night of the 25th at midnight. I looked at our tree, and there were a few decorations lying on the floor from where presents were grabbed and things were knocked off, and it was just a little sad. It's all over. The gifts are unwrapped. The surprises are gone. The, uh, the lovely tastes that were on the lips yesterday are now on the hips today, and it's going to take a lot longer to get rid of them than it took to get them there. I came across this lovely poem written by a lady who, in the weeks after Christmas, had happened upon just such a realization in her life. It goes like this. <clears throat> it's called, Twas the Month After Christmas. Twas the month after Christmas, and all through the house, Nothing would fit me, not even a blouse. The cookies I'd nibbled, the eggnog I'd taste, all the holiday parties had gone straight to my waist. When I got on the scales, there arose such a number. When I walked to the store, well, less a walk than a lumber. I'd remember the marvelous meal meals I'd prepared, the gravies and sauces, and beef nicely red the wine and the rumbles, the bread and the cheese, and the way I'd never said, no thank you, please. As I dressed myself in my husband's old shirt and prepared once again to do battle with dirt, I said to myself, as only I can, you know, you can't spend the summer disguised as a man. So away with the last of our sour cream dip, get rid of the fruitcake, every cracker and chip, every last bit of food <laughs> that I... Sorry, every last bit of food that I like must be banished till all the additional ounces have vanished. I won't have a cookie, not even a lick. I'll want only to chew on a long celery stick. I won't have hot biscuits or cornbread or pie. I'll munch on a carrot and then quietly cry. I'm hungry, I'm lonesome, and life is a bore. But isn't that what January is for? Unable to giggle, no longer a riot. Happy New Year to all, and to all, a good diet. <laughs> There's a little more truth in that poem than I'd like to admit. It's a, it's a funny time, uh, the first few days after Christmas. I've always said to the kids that my absolute worst day of the year, of the whole year, is the 1st of March, the day after my birthday. Because the presents are opened, all the anticipation is gone, and the worst of it is that you know it is the longest possible time till your next birthday. 
It's 364 days that you have to wait before you get all the gifts again. It's tempting for the first few days after Christmas to feel the same. It's all over and work will soon be starting up again. It's a long way to go to next December. And so it's tempting. Except for the fact that Christmas isn't our birthday. It's Jesus. And the end of the day doesn't mark the end of something, but rather the beginning. Instead of 365 days till the next time you feel good, this is the first day of living a whole life, like I said on Christmas, a whole life that feels good, a whole life that, that begins with together with Jesus. We've been looking at the series of Christmas Together, and on Christmas Day, I ended that sermon by saying that I hope for each of us, it isn't just a Christmas together with Jesus, but a lifetime together with Jesus. And that is where the real sense of feeling good, the real sense of living life to the full comes from. In order to do that, I want to look at one last together, and that is a Christmas together with the Father. Because much like what I've been saying about the day after Christmas not being the end, the birth of Jesus is not the end of our togetherness, but the beginning of each of us being together with the Father, which is the very reason that Christ came. This is the very first aspect of being together with the Father, knowing that it is Jesus that brings us to him. Jesus brings us to the Father. That was the purpose. Our reading from Galatians spells it out so clearly. But when the time set had, f had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship or daughtership. Because you are his sons and daughters. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. <clears throat> Excuse me. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. It is only through Christ coming into this world that we are brought to the Father and that we are made acceptable to him. There is no other way. Before this moment, the Father is completely unattainable. He's out of our reach. There is nothing we can do to get to Him. There are sacrifices that can be made. There are customs that can be followed that make us simply presentable to the Father. They simply remove the blemishes of sin. This is how it was seen uh, in the times of Jesus. They don't get us into a relationship with the Father. They make us presentable to Him. There's no sense of personal connection. It is only through the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus that we are made sons and daughters of the Most High, that we are even invited to call him Father. Abba, which is not the Swedish pop group, but rather the most beautiful, trusting, childlike, but not childish way of saying, Daddy. It's that way of relating to God. that we're invited to do as Jesus brings us to the Father, the one who sees us in this relationship with him. It's so personal, so connected. To be all of a sudden, from taken out in the cold, from taken where you were a slave with no value at all, like an abandoned child, and brought into this mansion 
to the one who says to us, come my child, you are the most precious thing in this entire universe. You belong to me and all of this is yours. I want to be your father. I want to be your daddy. That's incredible. It is Jesus who does this. It is Jesus who brings us to the Father. And it is the only way we are able to be together with him. Not John 3.16, one of the most well-known verses. No one comes to the Father except through me, except because of what I have done. The prophet Isaiah said it like this. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. Can you picture that for a second? Clothe me in the garments of his salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. For me, the picture is filled with the lost child entering into this beautiful home and this father taking off his, his luxurious coat and wrapping the child in it. That's what it means that we come to the Father through Jesus Christ. It's so interesting for me that both Simeon and Anna recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who, who reconciles us to God even before the purification rites are done. It's interesting that it's the very purification rites that are meant to make the child acceptable to God is actually what Jesus does for you and for me. He removes the sin from us and brings us to the Father pure and holy and blameless. And this is the good news and the very heart of the gospel. Life in all of its fullness, forgiveness and freedom, connection with God, intimate and close with the creator of all things. How amazing is that? A Christmas together with the Father, a life together with the Father every day after that, all because of Jesus who is the only one who, who can and does reconcile us, who removes the sin, who opens the way of salvation, which is ultimately the way to live the life God intended from the very beginning, starting now and continuing into all eternity. But in addition to bringing us to the Father, in addition to that reconciling act, in addition to that moment of making us his child, Jesus also reveals the Father. In Christ, we have the fullest revelation of who God is. Jesus wasn't really the Messiah that the Jews were expecting. It's why they still don't believe he is the Messiah even to this day. Because they wanted someone like David. They wanted a, a great king. They wanted somebody who would restore Israel to, to its former military glory. They wanted someone who would crush the enemies. And, and a large part of their desire for this kind of Messiah was born out of revenge, for wanting the suffering that they were going through to be inflicted on those who were causing the suffering. So the Messiah would need to be mighty and majestic and powerful. This is not who Jesus is. And consequently, Jesus then shows a very different picture of God as opposed to how God was understood at the time. And to be honest, Jesus still shows a different picture of how God is understood today. I've often referenced Tony Campolo before because he has an amazing ability to connect stories to faith. 
And he tells the story of a young Jewish man who was exploring Christianity. And he says this, While teaching at the University of Pennsylvania, I became good friends with a young Jewish student who eventually made a commitment to Christ. As I tried to mentor him and give him directions in how to live the Christian life, I advised him to go to a particular church that was well known for its biblically-based preaching to help him get a better handle on what the Bible was all about. When I met my friend several weeks later, he said to me, you know, if you put together a committee and asked them to take the Beatitudes and create a religion that contradicted every single one of them, you would come pretty close to what I'm hearing down at that church. Whereas Jesus said, blessed are the poor, down there they make it clear that it is the rich who are blessed. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. But the people at that church have a religion that promises happiness with no crucifixions. Whereas Jesus talked about the meek being blessed, they, t they talk as if they took assertive training courses. Jesus may have talked about the merciful and the peacemakers, but those people are the most enthusiastic supporters of American militarism and capital punishment that I've ever met. Jesus may have lifted up those who endured persecution because they dared to embrace a radical gospel, but that church declares a gospel that espouses middle-class success and affirms a lifestyle marked by social prestige. Tony says, As I listened to my friends accusing words about the church, I realized that it could just as well have been aimed at me. Since that conversation, I have spent a lot of time reflecting on whether or not my lifestyle is really Christian. He goes on to say, Soren Kierkegaard, Danish philosopher, once said, If you mean by Christian what the Sermon on the Mount says about being a Christian, then in any given time in history, there might be four or five such persons who would have themselves the right to be called Christians. Now that may be a bit of an exaggeration by Kierkegaard, and you certainly can't judge every church by one bad example. But we probably don't have to stretch our minds too far to think of times that we have seen similar attitudes expressed by Christians that we may know, or have seen uh, those kind of sentiments expressed on services you might see on TV by televangelists or in churches that you may have heard of. Or maybe sometimes even those attitudes in ourselves. A lot of this Christmas Together sermon series has been looking at what we learn about God through these different characters in the Christmas story. And when we see Mary who submits to the will of God with no thought to her own cost, without any worry about what her own plans would be, when we see the shepherds who remind us that God's heart reaches out particularly to the less fortunate, when we see Jesus, we see the Father revealed to us. Truth and grace and love and kindness and humility and patience and compassion. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, peace-loving. All of these amazing aspects that were so forgotten by the Israelites in Jesus' time. And that can be glossed over in our time. We see them in Christ as he reveals God to us. At Christmas together with the Father is a Christmas where we, we acknowledge the revelation of who we have in Jesus. 
For the people of Israel, they had created in their mind exactly who they thought God should be. And he was a God who wanted their greatest good and wasn't really concerned about anybody else. He's a God who wanted to make them rich and comfortable, in charge and powerful and feared by all nations. He was a God who existed to benefit them. But instead, Jesus says, let me show you who the Father really is. Let me show you the true nature. It is one who serves, one who loves, one who forgives, one who is compassionate, one who is generous, one who expects the same of you. Jesus coming into this world is the fullest revelation of God. And as Jesus says in John chapter 14, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Which brings me to the last aspect of this Christmas together with the Father. As we look at the life of Jesus, we see that Jesus came to teach us to be just like the Father. Before Christmas, to even think that you could be like God, before the first Christmas rather, to even think that you could be like God would be blasphemy and heresy. You'd be crucified for saying so. In fact, Jesus was. It's one of the charges that was leveled against him at his, at his trial. But now we know that Christ is this example that we follow. He has shown that to be like God in this world is to be like him. He calls us to love and to act in the same way he did, to be kind and to love mercy and to live humbly. He calls us to go to places where others don't want to go and consider themselves above going. He calls us to treat others as if we see Jesus in their very eyes. I heard a lovely story about a family driving home from church after a sermon about Christians being like Christ. And there was just silence in the cars they drove. And, and uh, at one point in the trip, the five or six-year-old son piped up and he said to his parents, he said, Dad and Mum? Yes, son. He said, you know how the pastor was talking about Christians and how they need to act? He said, yes, son. He said, well, do we know any? Do we know any? And that little kid couldn't see the actions in his parents. Christmas may be over. But in reality, it's just beginning. Because life with the Father is made possible only by this Christmas story and the presence of Jesus. Jesus brings us to the Father. Jesus reveals the Father's true nature. Jesus teaches us to be like the Father. And as we end this Christmas Together series, I pray that it may mark a moment of commitment in all of our lives to reflect the very nature of God, who forgives, who loves and most especially, who invites us to be like him and to be with him. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, over these weeks of Advent and Christmas, we have journeyed with what it means to be together. Together with one another as we celebrated coming back into this church for worship together with all the different characters as we looked at what they teach us about you. But today, Lord, we see that it is this moment that enables us to be together with the Father and how beautiful that is. To be called your sons and daughters, to be changed from slaves to heirs, 
to be clothed in these beautiful garments of righteousness and salvation, to see the nature of, of who you are, and to know the privilege of being called to live like that, to know the joy of living life with you, being with the Father. Lord, all of these things are wonderful and beautiful truths that we may have heard many times but are reminded of this Christmas season. We pray, Lord God, that we may remember them going into this year. We pray that as we head into 2021, with all the uncertainty that it holds, not knowing what it may possibly bring, as we face it with some sense of trepidation, knowing the year we've just been through, we pray, Lord, that you would still fill us with a sense of hope. For we know that whatever we face, we face together with our Father, the one who strengthens and the one who, who guides and who leads. May all the beauties of the, the truth that we've learned over these five weeks become something which is cemented in our hearts and in our spirits. Because we want to be people, Lord, who reflect your glory in this world. And through whose lives the Father is revealed to those who do not yet know that you invite them too to be your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. The song that we close with today is called His Kingdom. And the words are specifically around the readings that we've had. Jesus, God's righteousness revealed. The Son of Man, the Son of God, His kingdom comes. Jesus, redemption sacrificed, glorified, justified, His kingdom comes. Shall we stand? No, don't stand. Righteousness revealed The Son of Man The Son of God His kingdom come Jesus Redemption sacrifice
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and with those whom we love this day and forevermore. Amen. Friends, I hope that you have a wonderful day going forward and a, a very blessed and happy new year. If, uh, if you're around, what is Tuesday's date? Anyone know Tuesday's date? 29th, so, so if you want to have uh, common ground, come and have a cup of coffee and breakfast with us at James's place on Tuesday morning, half past eight, uh, we'll see you there. I will give you a little teaser for uh, the common ground. I made a tiny error in my sermon, which if you were astute, you could have picked up on it, without without going on the live stream, if you're coming to Common Ground. I will buy you coffee if you know what it is, okay? So there's a challenge, there's a challenge for you. I will see you on Tuesday at Common Ground, half past eight at James's place. It's a lovely time where we just chat a little bit about the sermon. If I don't see you there, friends, have a blessed new year. Look after yourselves, and I can't wait to see you again uh, in the second week of January. God bless.